Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. Get down! With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19, all new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. A seismic indictment in Georgia. The jury foreperson is sharing snippets of information that make Trump and everyone in his orbit nervous. We're going to talk about uh, every aspect of that, including how we feel about that being as public as it, as it is. Then internal Fox messages released in the Dominion libel case show the network's hosts internally knew Trump was lying despite continuing to spread those lies. Will Fox's viewers finally realize the contempt that the network has for them? Finally, Joe Biden visited Zelensky in Ukraine. Seems like a reason for all Americans to come together and applaud the president. But of course, the right couldn't even do that. We'll break down the misguided critics from conservative media. We'll discuss all of that and more. This is Majority 54. All right, Jason. Well, I think we should start here with this special grand jury investigation of election interference by Donald Trump and his allies in Georgia. That grand jury has recommended indictments for multiple people on a range of charges in its final report. We do not have all the details yet. They remain sealed. But the forewoman of the jury has been doing the rounds, uh, of the media rounds, and just spilling a ever so slight amount of tea on this story. <laughs> She's just kind of enjoying the spotlight and giving us just little pieces of information. Let's go to the first clip from one of these interviews that she did, and let's try to decipher what she's trying to say here. Is it, would you say, when it comes to, there are indi there are indictments recommended, of course. Is it yes. more than 12 people? Is it more than 20 people? I think if you look at the page numbers of the report, there's about six pages in the middle that got cut out. Allow for spacing. It's not a short list. Not a short list. <laughs> More, I mean, when it comes to seven, is former President Trump. Of course. Did you recommend charges against Donald Trump? I really don't want to share something that the judge made a conscious decision not to share. I, I will tell you that it was a process where we heard his name a lot. Uh, we definitely heard a lot about former President Trump, and we definitely discussed him a lot in the room and I will say that uh, when this list comes out you wouldn't there are no major plot twists waiting for you you know it's interesting we, that just raises more questions of, of, I know of I know I'm sorry no no do, please do not apologize I'm very appreciative of your time when you say there's no plot twists and you know people won't be shocked People are going to people are going to hear that and they're going to think that means that Donald Trump is definitely on that list. Jason, um, what are we? What what is this? <laughs> what are we doing? Well, like I know oh. the audience, especially some of our new friends in the audience, may love some of this. I have to say, I don't love it. I um, love indicting the former president if he breaks a law, which he yeah. clearly did. I do not love this game that we're playing. How many pages is it? Like, it, this is not appropriate. Not it's appropriate. So I'm sorry. Strange. And, yeah. you know, if you just listen to that clip, it sounds like what it is in part, which is uh, a woman trying very hard to be careful with her words. But if you watch the clip, it also, it, that, that comes across. 
but you also see a person who is really enjoying the moment, yeah. uh, which is fine. Like I, you know, I don't want to pile on this this young woman. I think her name is Emily Kors. You know, a lot of people seem to. Th- this happens in America, right? Like when somebody is thrust into the into the spotlight, right. um, people really resent that. So I'm going to skip past that part and just say that I am very concerned about. Uh, I guess I just am wondering why it is why it is necessary for a no, grand jury four person to be interviewed by anybody. It adds nothing to this except it just. Incites. This is not what the people listening yeah. to this want to hear. Is this? I take know you and I. We're just a couple of like Puritan like squares. Yep. But I have here. to say it because we wouldn't support a law breaking president. But just put yourself in the shoes of you know, an Arkansas grand jury indicting Hillary Clinton and then right. the four person of the jury going on TV with anything resembling this kind of body language and tone. Now, once again, it's not the same, like Hillary's not Trump and all that, but I think there's just, there's nothing to be gained here. Let's, let's look well, at one more clip here though. And then, then I, I want you to bring in your judgment on all right. this and predict what's going on here. Let, let's look at a okay. second clip from, from Emily Coors. It's not a short list. I mean, we saw 75 people and there are six pages of the report cut out, Mm. I think, if you look at the page numbers. Mm -hmm. So it's not. So we're talking about more than a dozen people? I would say that. Yes. Are these recognizable names, names that people would know? There are certainly names that you would recognize. Yes. There are names also that you might not recognize. So, like, you know, look, first of all, we should say... Some of them we, have the letter Q in them. Yeah. There are... Like we, it's like Wheel of Fortune. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to say first, not everybody uh, steps up to serve on a jury. I appreciate her doing her civic duty. Um, okay. I, I have a few <laughs> thoughts on this, and then they go in both directions, all right? The first set of thoughts I have are... Uh, just in line with what you and I have been talking about for a while in all of these investigations of Trump, which is I want to start with the disclaimer that you and I both think he should be indicted. And we both yes. like we have for an outcome crimes. that we're for, for many, many crimes. Many crimes. Yeah. And we have we have an outcome that we are rooting for. And to refresh uh, our audience's memory, this is because it's kind of hard to keep track of all the different cases in which he's being investigated. This is the one where he called the secretary of state of Georgia and was like, I need you to find X many votes. Like the exact just amount these to votes. put them yeah. like over the top. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and so that's like, you know, criminal. All right. Yeah. So he, he should be indicted for that. Um, but what we, I'll just, I'll give you the floor before we come back to me with me then arguing back against myself. Feel free to talk about some of the things you've been concerned about, about the way it empowers Trump to politically use this stuff to pretend it's something it's not. Yeah, I, I've previously talked about this as it relates to the New York investigation that I think that the Attorney General in New York should have recused herself using the same standard that we used when we asked, when we asked, Schumer asked, most a lot of Democratic members of Congress asked Matthew Whitaker to recuse himself as it related to the Mueller investigation because he had previously commented on it in the same way James had previously commented on Trump and his like illegal actions. She wasn't wrong about his criminality. But once you say that, when you're running for office, you shouldn't oversee the investigation 
into that person. That was the standard we asked for with Whitaker. It's the standard Tish James should have used. It's also the standard I've asked Alvin Bragg in Manhattan, the candidate who I supported and I was his strategist in that campaign. I've asked him personally, I asked him publicly to recuse himself there. Recusing yourself does nothing in terms of stopping the indictment from happening. In many ways, it speeds it up. It takes the politics out of it. And when you're confident that somebody has done something illegal by recusing yourself and, and having trust in the prosecutors in your office, you get out of their way and you actually empower them and take some of the spin off of the ball so that they actually, when they do render their indictments, they're even more politically salient. So that's my feeling here. And like, it's the same kind of standard I apply here, which is she doesn't recuse herself. She's a juror, but just don't go on TV. Like there's nothing here to be gained. And I actually think that this district attorney who now you know, goes to the district attorney uh, in Fulton County. So that, that district attorney has the full power here now. That district attorney has actually acquitted herself quite well. So I, well, I trust this district attorney. And that's that's what I was going to say is like, I, I wonder if what is happening here is not... Uh, well, first of all, we should allow for the, just the fact that, you know, Emily Kors is not a person who's media trained, right? Like she's right. on TV. She's, but I mean, I want to say some things in her defense. She's probably pretty nervous. Yeah. She's, she's pretty probably, young. You know, yeah, I feel bad you know, in a way, like I don't want to pile on her, but it is such a serious thing like that. Right. We have to, you know, we, we can't let it go. <laughs> oh, and, and Trump, Trump, yeah. like immediately upon her saying, you know, like that she couldn't say this or that immediately just, you know, did a truth social post that and I'm not blaming her for this, that runs with it and says, oh, look, I've been totally exonerated. Right. So clearly he is trying to influence the district attorney. And I think, look, it may be that what we're actually seeing is her trying to influence the district attorney because while everybody has referred to this as the grand jury in Georgia and looking into it, it is actually like an, a preliminary step where this this special grand jury advises what like their opinion as to whether the district attorney should take certain charges to the real grand jury. Yeah. And so we actually have a new grand jury to go to. Uh, and so it's a very interesting process there. So I feel like a little bit of this is her trying to use the process and use the media to influence a decision that she thinks should be made. But in general, I just feel like maybe the judge should have said from the beginning, like, hey, Nobody's allowed to go on TV and talk about this because yeah. I don't think it's a good look for the process. And then we end up with, uh, you know, the right having the means to try to question what will ultimately be an indictment of, of Trump and others. Yeah. And Salty, you could throw that up. We have the, the Truth Social post here. So if people want to take a look at that who are watching on YouTube, for those of you who are listeners at home, just a reminder that we have a YouTube page now. You can go to the Midas Touch page, find us, like, hit the like button. It's how we uh, game those algorithms. But Coors also said something interesting, which is she said, quote, it's amazing how many hours of footage you can find of that man on the phone and that there were several recorded phone calls in involving Trump that have never been publicly released. That's fascinating. So we got that going on. There's also uh, Trump. The New York Times reported that Trump has spent $10 million from his political action committee on legal bills just last year. So this guy is raising money. You know, a lot of Republicans are complaining that he's he's kind of stealing their thunder because a lot of voters aren't sophisticated enough to know which pack they're giving to in the Republican Party. So he's raising money from these voters and then using it to defend himself against criminal investigation, you know, which is maybe why they're not, you know, overperforming in their midterm elections. 
What I love about that article, by the way, is that it spends like the first two paragraphs just marveling at the fact that he paid his lawyers. I know that uh, is interesting. <laughs> well, obviously, if you were running a law firm, if, if, if Donald Trump or Elon Musk called me up and said, hey, I want you to represent me, I'd be like, well, let's pretend that I was totally sociopathic and didn't care about the ethics mm -hmm. of it. And let's say I only cared about money. I would be like, all right, I need the entire amount up front. Oh, for sure. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not working a minute for you. I'll draw against it, man. You right. know, like, but but I got to see it. You know, it should be in a briefcase full of cash. We know you got those laying around. Um, yeah. It, uh, yeah, well, I mean, it's just funny that it spends all that time saying it. But it, to the point of like, yeah, he, the point of the article, right, is that, well, now that he's a candidate, there is some question as to whether he can continue to control this political action committee to uh, pay his, his legal bills. So no, he man. may not actually have a way to do that. Um, yeah, well, maybe it looks like just, they're about to start mounting. Yeah, I mean, he, he he has the ability though to do like like he could just start any nonprofit, for profit, whatever, and raise the kind of money he needs to defend himself, and that will be true until the very last days. You know, yes. like the equivalent of like Napoleon and Elba or whatever. Like wherever he goes, like he will have he will have some people sycophants around him till the very end, and you know we can count on that. Well. Uh, there are a couple of quick hits here that I think this our audience will will really want to just refresh her on. There, there's just so much legal stuff happening in Trump world and within the conservative world generally. Uh, the DOJ special counsel subpoenaed Ivanka Trump and Jared Kushner in the criminal investigation that the DOJ is doing. Um, and that's a special counsel. I think his name is Jack Smith. Have you noticed, uh, Jason, that this guy looks like Beard from Ted Lasso? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You see this? I he's hope like, he's. I hope he's just the same. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. I want somebody a little bit more hard nosed than. than oh, Beard. sure, but I mean, I just fun personality. Same same investigation that has uh, Pence also that subpoenaed Pence, uh, and you also have um, well, good good transition. We have this Fox Dominion case. Let's talk about this because we we had a long weekend. I think a lot of people skipped this in sort of podcasting world. But this is a $1.6 billion lawsuit from Dominion Voting Systems against Fox News. I think our audience is, is generally familiar with the background of that case. It's been winding its way through the courts. Dominion uh, filed a motion for summary judgment. You know, you as the former trial lawyer could probably talk through at least the significance of that. And Jason, we've got some discovery fascinating yeah. discovery here that they they quoted in their uh their filing for summary well, judgment where should summary, we start here well summary judgment first of all is really hard to get when you're the person suing and so the fact that they are going after it uh so thoroughly means they think they might actually have a chance to get it. the reason it's hard to get is because summary judgment is literally you just saying to the judge hey there's really uh no major facts left in dispute and you should just rule for us there's there's no reason for this to go to a jury because there's no none of the major facts really can be disputed. And then what you do is you take all the depositions and, and that kind of thing that have already been done, all the stuff where people talked under oath and all the evidence you have, and you just submit it. You give it all to the judge and you, it, you basically say, this is what we're going to do at trial. As you can see, there's no reason to go to trial. Now, it's really, really hard to win one of these motions. And I kind of doubt that they will. Um, it's hard when you're the, when you're the, the plaintiff, the one suing. Um, but it does tell you exactly what they're going to bring at trial. And boy, it is is like some pretty scandalous and damaging stuff for Fox News. Yeah, I, I almost don't know where to start, but let's let's just get to the heart of the matter. The, the, the high-level takeaway from this is that Fox News personalities are saying one thing privately, which resembles what a lot of us would say, 
which is Sidney Powell's a complete nut, which is something Carlson said. Uh, Sean Hannity, in his deposition, said, quote, the whole narrative that Sidney was pushing, I did not believe it for one second. Sidney Powell is the attorney for Trump who is spreading these allegations. Publicly, on the air, they were highly suggestive, if not explicitly saying the very same things that Trump was saying. They were pushing the election conspiracy narratives. And Jason, I think what's fascinating about all this is that they their rationale for why they were uh, spreading election denialism on the air, I found really fascinating. Yeah. I mean, we all sit around thinking that it's just, we just got to help the right wing. Right. Now that's yeah. some of it, some yeah. of it that comes a little later, but it's really like, we're just worried about the corporate brand. Like not yep. enough people are watching. It's like, it's like what happened was, is like if Fox news were like, um, you know, a, a television series and one and one of the big stars demanded a lot of money in their contract for their next uh, season and they, did, they didn't get it. So they had to like kill off the character and then they realized, oh, wait, people were watching this this show for this character. We have to pay them the money and bring the character back. And that's what they did. Like they realized, oh, wait a second. In the wake of this uh, election turning out the way it did people aren't really watching Fox News because they don't like the news. Conservatives are like, hey, wait a second. Uh, we don't like seeing uh, our side lose, so they're not watching. So they just like change the plot. They're like, ooh, maybe we didn't lose. Right. We better yeah. stay tuned. <laughs> well, it's crazy. Well, let me just point our listeners in the direction of, of this text that, that Carlson sent out that uh, Salty just put up on the screen, which is <laughs> it, they're, uh, they're worried about Newsmax. That's who they're worried about. <laughs> That's so embarrassing, by the way. Yeah, they're, they're not just worried about Newsmax they, and taking their audience. That's what they're worried about. But they're also, there was this back and forth on November 12th. This is nearly a week after Joe Biden clinched the presidency. And there's this back and forth going on because Trump tweeted that, you know, you must see Hannity take down of the horrible, inaccurate and anything but secure Dominion voting system, which is used, yada, yada, yada. So basically spreading lies. He also, sh so he shouts out, Trump shouts out Hannity, then he shouts out Lou Dobbs, um, who Fox's own executives in these internal communications, apparently compared to uh, North Korean state television, <laughs> their own personality, <laughs> which is, by the way, funny. And like, I wish, like this is like a kind of thing I wish we said, but yeah. they... <laughs> But I just don't know how these people get. I, I wanted. I'm curious as to what their ethical worldview is. These are people who claim to be Christians. I'm mm -hmm. like, what reading of the Bible do you have that allows you to do Look, this kind of stuff? You know, they're actors. You and I have yeah. talked about this before. They're actors. And and here's what I mean. Like, even put this stuff aside. Whenever I watch, like like if you flip on um like Fox and Friends, okay. The thing that you hear constantly is real America, right. you know, in the heartland, people feel this way in real America as if these people are leaving the studio and just going and sitting down in a diner and eating hash browns. Right. right. And next to truckers. That's not what's happening. Like they're actors, man. Like these people live in Manhattan, in New York City. They right. live on the Upper West Side. And Tucker Carlson lives in Maine. Right. Like, like they they they. They're actors. They they eat at the same fancy restaurants as all the people at MSNBC and CNN. Right. They they travel on the subway to go places. And when they finish a report where they talk about real America, they don't go to a diner. First of all, they spend about 30 minutes taking off their makeup like everybody else who's on television. And right. then they they like don't they don't 
encounter other conservatives. <laughs> they like right. they're well, in it, New York City in the heart of it. Like that's the them, life they've chosen to live. Yeah, if they're encountering them, they're encountering this sort of country club conservatives. Oh, for sure. Like yeah. like and I say that as a person who lives in what they classify as real America, right? right. Like like that they don't they don't they don't know that Kansas City is in Missouri. They think yeah. it's in Kansas. Like they're that's, not like, they're me, like Jason. They're not out in Encinitas surfing. Okay? That's right. <laughs> they're not like a real American like me. Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> so okay. Well, there's this interesting. By the way, is that a, is that a shower behind you? What is that? Yeah, is I'm in it? this Airbnb. Like I think I've I've slowly downgraded my Airbnbs throughout this trip. You know, it's like the opposite <laughs> of uh, actually like how I. I, I think I recommended this once when we did a travel pod where I was like, mm-hmm. you start with the the, the the less fanciest place and then you work your way up to the fancy one. I, I am now in the like the back of somebody's house and it's new this right now because I wanted to extend my trip. But the waves are like 30 feet, which we'll get to at the end of this podcast where we now okay. do this type of banter. But there's this woman, I, I want to shout out Fox News correspondent, Jackie Heinrich, who saw Trump's claims and was fact-checking him on the air. And it just, her fact-checking Jason seem to set people off internally. The very same people who were complaining about the about Trump himself privately are now complaining about her fact-checking Trump. Oh yeah. Um <laughs> they they're like get her fired immediately. It's right. it is it is by the way exactly what you think it is. You know, um when I was you know running for office, my campaign manager, Abe, and I had this saying that we would say back and forth to each other occasionally, which is, this is what they think we're doing. So like anytime we were doing something that like the conservative, uh, you know, like political operatives uh, would have thought we were doing. So like, like if we went to like a, um, like a, 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 a show, like a th- we went to a theater to be with like some donors or something, you know, you know, some liberal seeming thing that they thought are like, or like we would go to a, an event that it was like all LGBT folks, right? Like a- Abe would turn to me and joke, he'd be like, well, now today we're doing what they think we're doing. Right. So like <laughs> this was them doing what we think they're doing. This was a text thread that was Tucker Carlson, Sean Hannity and Laura Ingram just like running the right wing conspiracy uh, and being like, oh, she should be fired immediately. How dare she do her job and report the actual news without clearing it with us, the opinion people who are in prime time at Fox? It's, yeah, it's crazy. What we think they're doing. And Carlson told Hannity, please get her fired talking about all this and says it needs to stop immediately like tonight it's measurably hurting the company the stock price is down not a joke once again the stock price again what we think they're talking about and also like if you were to write a, a a a script like a drama about really really terrible corporate people who don't care about what happens to anything outside of their stock price they would say lines that were that cliche and then you would pitch it and people would be like, I'm sorry, can you please write this in a way that is a little more believable and a little less cliche? Because this is a little too on the nose. But no, they are that on the nose. He's like, our stock price is plummeting. We have to stop reporting the actual news. It's crazy. It's amazing. It's crazy. And of course, they took the tweet down. That's the end of that story. So uh, let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsor. When we come back, we're going to dive into the legalities of this, where I think things get really fascinating. Like, will Fox lose this case or not? There's like a huge tension going on at the heart of this case. Then we're going to talk about Biden's trip to Ukraine. And then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll end with one for us, which I think is a new segment for us. We'll be right back. 
So I often get asked, what's my favorite supplement? And this is an easy answer, Athletic Greens. I've been taking this long before they sponsored this podcast, and it's really your one-stop shop. They call themselves Nutritional Insurance, and it's really so much more than that. It's the first thing I do every morning. I've now started taking it instead of drinking coffee first thing in the morning, and I originally gave it a try because I was feeling low in energy, and I wanted to get an extra boost, an extra pep in my step for you know certain things that require the most out of me, things like doing this podcast, you know, you know, doing fitness, playing sports, just being at my best for my team during my day job. And you could take it at any time of the day. I know people who take it, you know, in the middle of the day instead of that afternoon coffee. I know people who take it right before they go to sleep. And with one delicious scoop a day, you get 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients. So if you're looking for simpler, cost-effective supplement routine. Athletic Greens is going to give you a free year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash majority. That's athleticgreens.com slash majority to check it out. So we're about to get back into this case and some other news in a second, but I, I wanted to pivot back to what is really the main mission of this podcast, which is to talk about all of this news in a way where we help you talk about it uh, with your friends, right? And with people in your life, because that's that's the whole mission of Majority 54, is to take the 54% of Americans who typically vote in a progressive way in elections, treat it like the majority that it is, and then help you work to expand that majority in your actual social interactions in everyday life, because that's the most effective argument that any of us can make, is, is working with the people in our lives to make these cases. And so I think that this stuff about Dominion is really important. The Dominion case is really important, because what it means is it means that uh, every time somebody tells you, oh, well, the, the media is liberal or, oh, you know, I, I, I listen to Fox News and that's where I, I actually get the real information. You're not getting the real stuff from wherever you get your information. I think it is important not to pivot back just to how incredibly, you know, uh, how much these people were lying and saying one thing and doing another. Like, that's important. But it's not as important as the motive. The motive is what's important here, right? The motive is all of this all of this talk that they had about, you know, the corporate bottom line. The point being that, you know, you you can't really convince somebody who spends an hour every night with Tucker Carlson and feels like they're in his living room, in their living room. You can't convince them that guy is telling you things that aren't true, period. With the, you have to have a motive, right? Mm -hmm. And and Americans are way more likely to indict their their sources of information, no pun intended, if you uh, impeach the credibility, right? And that credibility has to do with profit margin. So if you just say, look, Fox News is a bunch of Republicans and they want you to believe a bunch of Republican things, somebody's going to be like, okay, well, I'm a Republican and I do believe Republican things. But if you say, look, Fox News has a financial incentive to do this and, and you can show them like they endangered the Republic by propagating information that they knew was untrue because they didn't think there would be an actual consequence. They didn't really think that something like January 6th would happen, right? So they were willing to play with fire and they were willing to do that because over on other networks and over on Facebook and other places where people might get their news, Newsmax, Facebook, that kind of thing, they were doing that. And Fox was like, this is hurting our stock price. So let's go tell people what they want to hear, not what the truth is. And that's how you impeach the credibility of these sources is you say, look, they're just trying to get money because that is something that across the board, Americans understand the idea of corporate greed and, you know, 
people doing evil things because of greed, because the 80s and 90s were full of movies about that. And and so yeah. I think it's how you get into that. Yeah. And what's fascinating is if and I know that you don't spend your time doing this, but if you listen to their right wing competitors, one thing they do is they talk about that profit motive. They talk about the mainstream media and they lump Fox in with the mainstream media. So actually from the right flank, there's this weird populist mm -hmm. anti-corporate message coming from some of these fringe right sources. So their audience well, is being primed with that message. Here's what's so scary about all that is that the media environment is starting to mirror the electoral environment yeah because because what's happening in say like the the budding republican primary for president right now people are cutting into the bone because there's no meat left when it comes to saying crazy things i mean trump just said the other day he's got to top himself all the time right he just said the other day uh how he was like going to arrest homeless people and he was going you know i mean all sorts of, and you know not long ago he said he was going to do the duarte philippines thing where uh he would execute drug dealers. Why is he having to do that? Because he has to constantly top himself. Yeah. Well, that's really dangerous for our republic from politicians. But when you have a profit motive for the media environment to do the same thing and have to keep topping one another and staying crazier and crazier stuff, well, now the monster is, is out of control at some point. Right. Well, so that's the court of public opinion. Let's go back to the, the, uh, the actual court. And this is a $1.6 billion ask from Dominion. Now, that's the first thing I just want to, I don't want to say pour cold water on this, but I, you know, maybe some cool water, maybe like room temperature water on this to say $1.6 billion is a lot to ask from a company that's valued, I think, at something like $100 million. It may be a little bit more than that, but it's, that's a lot. So that's the one thing. Will they get $1.6 billion? A lot of people that I've been reading say that that's going to be a tough ask. Now, what they're saying is they could have grown to a company that size. Now, I'm not an expert on, on the market share, so that's one thing. Two is the standard here is actually really difficult for them to meet. Everything we just said aside, there's the standard here is actual malice, which says that only statements about public figures that are knowingly false or show a reckless disregard for the truth are actionable. This goes back to a 1964 case called New York Times versus Sullivan, so it's a tough standard, but not an impossible standard. And so once again, knowingly false, which it sounds like based on these internal messages, Dominion has a good case. Reckless disregard for the truth. One could also argue that. Yeah, I, I would think be one of those. A, I, I actually yeah. think it's a pretty solid case. Right? And I think that these texts are, I didn't, I didn't feel it was a great case before this, but clearly yeah. there's a reason that they've brought the suit. Like, they have some pretty solid evidence of reckless disregard for the truth. And, and you know, what it appears the, the Fox folks are doing is they're falling back on this, this argument that, well, look, I mean, these people came on our air and they said this, but, you know, we, in many cases, we didn't say this, right? Mm -hmm. Well, so then you have you have them trying to do two things, right? And this is where it gets hard to prove, I guess. But you have you have the people at Fox like Hannity and Laura Ingram and Tucker Carlson. On the one hand, they have defended themselves in libel cases by saying, uh, well, look, we are not journalists. We are opinion pundits, right? If you want to come, like the news, they literally make the argument, and it's true, that the news stops at about 7 p.m. Eastern on Fox, right? Like whatever semblance of news they have, because that's when they just start telling you their opinion. Well, Okay, you make that argument on the one hand, but then on the other hand, here you're going to make the argument, well, I I'm just doing the journalism thing where I ask questions. I'm not responsible for what these people say. I'm not I'm not required to state my opinion 
because mm-hmm. I'm just being a journalist. And it's like, well, you, you got to pick. You're either an opinion pundit or you're a journalist. You can't be both at the same time. Yeah. It, you know, it, this is what makes this tricky is we're pretty like U- U.S. Is, is unique in how stringent we are when it comes to First Amendment, Amendment protections. And New York Times versus Sullivan you know, this is a quote from that case, says, debate on public issues should be unlimited, robust, and wide open, and such debate may well include vehement, caustic, and sometimes unpleasant, sharp attacks on government and public officials. And essentially what the U.S. standard is, if I were to summarize it, is we want to protect your ability to be wrong if you're being wrong in good faith. That's basically Mm -hmm. what... When you're talking about public officials in the government. Now, it's a little bit different if I'm just talking about a private individual, but it's a a lower standard. I think that's generally right. I do think they should clear this based on what we've seen. Now, what Fox is saying is, well, you know, just because we have somebody on, they say something. That doesn't mean we're saying it. Now, I do think they have explicitly said enough. But even if they didn't, you know, your choice to continually have somebody on and not fact check them, to me should fall well within the standard. Well, and isn't the irony here that, I mean, Trump and several right-wing politicians have been trying to roll back this standard so that they can bring these suits? Trump explicitly has said that he wants to weaken First Amendment protections along these lines for obvious reasons because, you know, he's... He loves to sue people who say bad things about him and he's a bit of a soft-skinned individual. Yeah, and then Thomas and Gorsuch have both said that they want to weaken the sort of protections of Times versus Sullivan. And so, you know, like I it's, I could spend a lot of time on this, but at no point should we ever expect the right wing to be coherent and consistent yeah, on anything. So, like, it's that. But, it but be Ravi, the they're being hypocritical. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is the smoking like, gun. They said I one thing and another. So much time on this. this I think, in general, it's a good day. standard. I think it's a good standard. Yeah. I like the fact that we have the standard. I think Dominion will clear it based on what we've seen. Now, obviously, we don't have access to everything, but based on what I'm seeing, you know. Right. I, look, here's here's what I think is going to happen. Fox News is going to settle out of court. They're going to settle out of court for a lot of money. They don't want to um, be in court. Because you could you imagine what these, these – because these oh, are just the depositions and discovery. Could you imagine what this would look like if Hannity had to take the stand? Not only that, dude, like – Every single time that one of these major networks is in the news, it's wall-to-wall coverage on the other network, right? right? So so if CNN or MSNBC are in the news for something, well, Fox News, it's all they talk about, right? right. And then and then MSNBC and CNN don't do it as much to each other, but they do it a little bit. Like when, when Cuomo was in trouble, like MSNBC talked about it, right? And then right. and so because they're all competitors, right? Like if if Coke could put, hey, there was a scandal at Pepsi on their can, they would, right? I mean, that that's what's happening here. And they don't want that. Fox well, they're going to take fire that. for both sides, Jason. They're gonna have, Newsmax is also going right. to cover this. It'd be like, imagine? you see, they don't think the election was stolen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. They'll be like, they're not, they're a rhino network. Like, and then you'll have, you know, over at MSNBC, you'll have something completely different. And then over at CNN, you'll have Brian Stelter on there every day showing everything from these depositions. And they do not want that. It would be, as they mentioned several times in these texts, very bad for their brand image and it would hurt their stock price. And so that's why this ain't going to trial. Right. Um, they will settle this out of court. And uh, I don't think Dominion's going to get a billion dollars, but I think it's it might keep Dominion in business. Right. Yeah. If you've seen, I'm sure you've seen a civil action for our audience. There's the key moment is when the bad guys in this case, in that case, it was a civil a chemicals company or no, it was an insurance company. And in this case, it's uh, 
oh no, that was a chemical company. In this case, yeah. it's a uh, it's a Fox News. They they right. say they they try to dismiss the case early, and if that motion dismissed fails as it did here, then it's settlement time, and that's basically where we've been. You know, at this point, Dominion is aggressive. They're like, let's just let's just rule now in our favor. Well, that's <laughs> that's why I think Dominion put together this summary judgment motion, right? Because the right. summary judgment motion is like, well, let's just lay out Set in the court that. of public yeah. opinion everything so you can get a little taste of what this is going to be like for you, Fox News. Fascinating. All right. Well, let's talk about Ukraine. Biden, wow. Biden flying to Ukraine or go, heading out to Europe, getting to Ukraine and, you know, walking Kiev. Getting on a train and then walking Kiev, yeah. Amazing. And then he, he gave a speech from Poland. Uh, let's hear what he had to say. One year ago... The world was bracing for the fall of Kyiv. Well, I just come from a visit to Kyiv, and I can report Kyiv stands strong. <laughs> Kyiv stands proud. It stands tall. And most important, it stands free. When Russia invaded, it wasn't just Ukraine being tested. The whole world faced a test for the ages. Europe was being tested. America was being tested. NATO was being tested. All democracies are being tested. And the questions we faced were as simple as they were profound. Would we respond or would we look the other way? Would we be strong or would we be weak? I, I don't know about you, man. Like one of the most depressing things, and there's like a few depressing things in a, in a I say uh, in understatement, in, in American politics in the last few years, I think one of the most has got to be that we are now so divided that the two parties are, are increasingly divided over whether to defend a democracy against Russia, right. right? Like whether to support a democracy that is defending itself. And like when I see something like that, that should be a speech that no matter, like even if Biden was a Republican and gave that speech, that should be the kind of speech that would make me feel the way I felt right after 9-11 when, you know, and I have a lot of issues and came to have a lot of issues with what Bush did even two weeks after 9-11. But when he gave the speech standing on the pile of rubble, for instance, you know. Yeah, they'll all hear from us now. Yeah, They'll yeah, all hear from us now. Yeah. Like, you know, nobody felt a party affiliation in that moment. And yeah, his, his approval rating wish was like, hundred percent. It was like 110%. It was like yeah. something that didn't make mathematical sense. And, uh, and it's really, uh, it's just depressing that people can't look at a speech like that and just be proud of their country and of their president, regardless of what party, uh, the that counter, really bothers me. The counterfactual of, if Trump had won reelection is stark in moments like this. I mean, there's so many it's, of them. It's like, just, could you imagine? Well, Russia would, there would be no war in Ukraine. Russia would just be enslaving and you know i mean they would they would just have ukraine completely under its thumb he was gonna pull us out of nato man i mean he was gonna completely undermine nato we don't even know that russia would have stopped at ukraine uh, right. at that point um right so well, well let's he also he, he basically you know he there's a little bit of pep in biden step these days he, he kind of took it to putin in this speech as well let's go to this clip one year into this war putin no longer doubts the strength of our coalition but he still doubts our conviction. He doubts our staying power. He doubts our continued support for Ukraine. He doubts whether NATO can remain unified. 
But there should be no doubt. Our support for Ukraine will not waver. NATO will not be divided, and we will not tire. President Putin's craven lust for land and power will fail, and the Ukrainian people's love for their country will prevail. Democracies of the world will stand guard over freedom today, tomorrow, and forever. There's not a lot of stuff that makes me think, like, in any way feel wistful at all for, uh, you know, the days when I kind of wanted to be president of the United States. But the idea, I mean, you talk about there being pep in his step. I mean, the idea of getting to go to Warsaw, Poland and give a speech where you directly address a villain like Vladimir Amazing. Putin and and say you're going to stand for democracy and this coalition is standing together. That's like the kind of historical moment that like, I, yeah, I would really think it would put pep in his step because that's where you go like, oh, I'm part. I'm not just part of it. I'm making history right now. And yeah. and you feel valuable and uh, you feel invaluable because you are at that moment. And I, I don't know what's going on in that square, but the advance and the, the look of it all, for those of you who are just listening on the audio, it is gorgeous scenery. Yeah. Like, what an image. Like, absolutely breathtaking scene. So uh, let's. he then came home, and then it was the one-year anniversary. So he's just, he's pounding this drum. So he made it, he, 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 he gave even more insight here into what he's thinking on the one year anniversary just yesterday. Let's go to this speech. When President Putin ordered his tanks to roll into Ukraine, he thought we would roll over. He was wrong. The Ukrainian people are too brave. America, Europe, a coalition of nations from the Atlantic to the Pacific, we were too unified. Democracy was too strong. Yeah, and then he doubled down on support for NATO. You know, a reminder that Trump attacked NATO, basically. You know, one of the many, many norms that he disregarded was our commitment to NATO. And this is like where the counterfactual is really powerful. And and what I think is so important about this moment is, is that it could be looked at just as, you know, it's the one-year anniversary, so he's talking about it. We're going to hear from... Ben Shapiro in a moment who's going to give us a completely different take. Uh, people don't don't turn it <laughs> don't off. Leave. Like, don't you're leave. You're not going to hear from him. The re- he's not like a guest. Like we're going to come back and talk about what he said. Um, but w- the reason, sadly, that it is so important and why this moment in American politics makes me feel kind of uh, down about the fact that we don't have unity on this is that Biden is having to do this because he's having to campaign for the idea of continuing to support Ukraine. He has to solidify the support of Ukraine among the American people so that Republicans in Congress don't, uh, you know, pull the rug out from under Ukraine, because that's what so many of them want to do. And it drives me crazy that we have to do that. But that's why Biden has to take this moment. And he has to make these statements, because he has to remind people why this is so important. Got it. Yeah, well, like, let's talk about this. Well, I'll mention briefly that Putin announced he's suspending participation in the START Treaty. I think that this is not that significant, because like, you're, you're basically counting on before this anyway, like, you know, is essentially Putin's word anyway. So I'm not sure much changed there. And he, he was careful to say suspending. So they didn't. Well, the, I think what is significant about it, though, is that like he's basically saying we're not going to make any attempt to con- to let inspectors back in 
to you know they're on the one hand they're like hey we're not gonna we're not gonna actually do any more nuclear weapons but we're also not gonna let you check to see if we're not doing any more nuclear weapons which one reading of it is hopeful though but he he could be starting to lay the groundwork for things he can concede uh down the line yeah that's true that could be now that could just be wishful thinking now okay let's let's round this out with hearing from our uh newly bearded friend Ben Shapiro on this issue. Jason, I want to, I want both your opinion on his new look. Actually, I don't know that I'm enough knowledgeable enough of his old look to make the his comparison. new look, which he's, he's growing out his facial hair. Uh, and two, I want your opinion on the substance of what he has to say. Let's go to this clip. Okay. And the thing that people forget about Joe Biden's approval rating is that what made it go down in the first place was his weakness in Afghanistan. If you look at the, at the history of Joe Biden's job approval rating. His job approval rating was at about 50%, 51% for a long period of time to begin his presidency. And then it really dipped and went negative right around the time that he decided that he was going to ignominiously pull out of Afghanistan with no plan whatsoever, hand the country over to eighth century Islamic barbarians and, and then allow a bunch of American soldiers to get killed and a bunch of Afghan translators get stuck behind, a bunch of Americans get stuck behind. So foreign policy weakness does have dramatic ramifications for Joe Biden, and he must know this. So right now, Joe Biden's approval rating is stuck in the 43, 44% range, according to Real Clear Politics. Now, that has been a slight increase from its real absolute low of about 37%, which was back in July of 2022, but he's been kind of trending about even since September. And so he has to do something to reset because now we are starting to look at his reelect campaign. His reelect campaign is going to be launched any day now. We are growing closer. It's near the end of February where we're going to start seeing his reelect campaign pump into full gear starting March, April, May. And so he has to do something to reset. So the way he decided that he was going to reset is by heading over to Ukraine over the weekend. It was a secret Ukraine trip and it was promoted by all the usual media sources as a, a groundbreaking unbelievably brave thing for the president of the United States to do. Never mind the fact that we've had a multiplicity of American senators and Congress people who have already gone over to Ukraine. Never mind the fact that Boris Johnson went over to Ukraine when he was prime minister of the UK. Never mind the fact that you've had pretty much every Western leader except for Joe Biden go over to Ukraine over the course of the past year since the war began in Ukraine. Joe Biden finally went over to Ukraine and the media reacted with their usual combination of sycophantic drooling and massaging his unmentionables. It was you know, exactly what Joe Biden had bargained for. Now, is it going to have any real impact on Joe Biden's presidency? My guess is absolutely not, because nothing actually changed except except for Joe Biden posturing. All right. Let me go ahead and take these in reverse order. Uh, (laughs) First of all, um, you know, his argument that this wasn't actually brave because a lot of other people have done it. Fine. I don't really care. Like, yeah, he's president of the United States. He went to a war zone. Is it like immeasurably brave? No, like, like, I think he was pretty safe. Okay, like, I'll concede that point. Uh, I don't think it's a big part of what they were trying to do. I don't think they were trying to act like Joe Biden was like, you know, had a a, a K-bar knife in his teeth and he was running under fire uh, in the Donbass. <laughs> that's not what they were trying to claim. Now, by the way, that's what Ben Shapiro does in his books, in the character that he's written that resembles himself. Yeah. 
but that's not what Joe Biden was trying to do. And I will just say, as a guy who's been to Afghanistan, no, I'm not overwhelmed by the bravery of Joe Biden for going to Ukraine. But Joe Biden didn't try to overwhelm me for that bravery. So I don't even know why Ben Shapiro is talking about that. Uh, the next part. Uh, going reverse order, uh, that this is about a uh, re-election campaign and it's just political. No, this is about the fact that all these assholes on the right don't want to fund the resistance in Ukraine anymore. And they, they want Russia to win. And he has to, he has to fight a battle politically here. He has to campaign for the idea of supporting a democracy that's trying to be taken, that where a, a dictatorship is trying to take it over. One that has historically been one of our greatest allies over the last, I don't know, 80 years. That would be why he's having to do this, Ben, because people on your side are trying to keep him from being able to support Ukraine. The stuff he said about Afghanistan, look, I've had my disagreements uh, with some of the policies that Biden has had on Afghanistan, but the idea of portraying it as if we wouldn't have been turning the place over to the Taliban if not for Biden is ridiculous, given that literally Trump wanted to turn it over four months earlier. Trump's the one who released a bunch of Taliban folks from prison and a deal that he made with the Taliban, which made it an awful lot harder to hold off the Taliban. But I think what bothers me most of all about what he said about Afghanistan is how incredibly obviously disingenuous he is as evidenced by the fact that he just offhandedly says that a bunch of American soldiers were killed. No, Ben, 12 U.S. Marines and one American soldier were killed. So fuck you, asshole, for just talking about them like they're just a group of people who you don't care about and you're using as political pawns. Now, your question was about whether his beard is pretty good. Yeah, actually, as a guy who's got a little bit of gray in his beard and doesn't grow it out as much anymore, I'm kind of impressed that he doesn't have any gray in his beard. But at the end of the day, Ben Shapiro is a guy who good beard or not good beard. He's just a dude who could have been the first Jewish president if he could learn to talk through his throat instead of his nose. Wow. Okay. That's a lot. I don't know that's if I have much to add to that. So I, I would say there's also the sense that, okay, Biden should be penalized for what Ben Shapiro views as a major foreign policy mistake, but he shouldn't be able to take credit for foreign policy successes. Right. It just doesn't make sense to me. So he also made claims earlier in this clip about how you know, the air raid sirens were happening because Biden was there. So somehow, and he basically implied that he was putting the Ukrainians in danger. So you may notice a contradiction here. He's saying that Biden... Is going to this war zone. He's totally safe, but he's insensitive because he's putting Ukrainians in danger. Because now the Russians, I don't know, are threatening, and there's an. It just doesn't make any sense. It's fascinating to me how they just truly believe that Zelensky is a guy who will just do the bidding of American politicians. Right. I mean, at one point they thought, oh well, he'll just go ahead. And in, he'll investigate or announce when he's investigating Biden uh, in order to get the weapons that he needs. That was what Trump tried to get him to do. And now right. they think, well, clearly he would just do whatever Biden says and sound air raid sirens unnecessarily, uh, which like right. it's kind of a big deal in a war zone when you sound air raid sirens. So and you, given this is, a, this is for people, this podcast, who have people in your lives that you're trying to persuade. And Ben Shapiro's show, unfortunately, is one of the most listened to on the right out there there's one simple trick you don't have to know everything ben shapiro is talking about at any given point and fact check him in real time the simple question you should often ask anybody who's playing you a clip or sharing a clip on the internet you know your your uncle or whatever on ben shapiro is ask the question is this the standard you'd be bringing to a conservative of course not if trump went to ukraine and was taking credit for a successful foreign policy uh move like biden you know, full-throatedly supporting Ukraine and NATO, Shapiro would not be bringing this level of scrutiny. That's the question I would just be asking to anybody. Be like, hey, do you think he'd be he'd be bringing this kind of energy if it were Trump? No. The answer is no, of course. 
Yeah, you just introduce a scenario where you just reverse it. Right. You know, or like <laughs> actually something that Midas did on uh, Instagram last week is take a thing that actually happened and just put it in a different country and change the facts and pretend it's about Hillary Clinton and see yeah. how they react and be like, no, that's the same situation. <laughs> characters, and now you're outraged. You Amazing. know, so I, I think it's actually quite effective. Uh, all right. Well, let's let's end on on an up note, uh, actually having to do with Republicans. Uh, so um, I want to share with people uh, a little bit about Governor Spencer Cox from Utah and something that he said this week. Uh, people who have been listening to the show for a while will know that Spencer Cox is a, is a friend of mine and has been on the show before. He is the Republican governor of Utah. And, you know, it feels oftentimes like there are no Republican politicians who will speak out uh, for team democracy or team not make everything terrible. Uh, but sometimes Spencer Cox actually does that. And he does that at, at political risk. And look, I disagree with Spencer and he disagrees with me on all sorts of stuff. But it's nice to know that there are a few people out there on the other side of the aisle, elected officials, that is, uh, who are, you know, pretty decent and trying to do the right thing. So he had a, a, a tweet thread this week in response to Marjorie, Marjorie Taylor Greene calling for basically civil war, saying we need a national divorce. She was really calling for secession of, of, uh, of red states. And he, quote, tweeted her and said, this rhetoric is destructive and wrong and honestly evil. We don't need a divorce. We need marriage counseling. And we need elected leaders that don't profit by tearing us apart. We can disagree without hate. Healthy conflict was critical to our nation's founding and survival. He went on uh, to uh, do things like, um, well, first, he, he he quoted Reagan talking about the shining city on a hill, which I noticed on Twitter did still upset some Democrats. But like, the quote was the idea that we we don't come to these monuments as people who are white or black or anything else. We come to them as Americans. He was trying to unify. But then his last two tweets, I think we're, we're really, uh, you know, worth remarking on, which is they show pictures of him with Kamala Harris. Now, this is a Republican governor in a Republican state who presumably would like to be reelected, showing pictures of himself with Biden, with Kamala Harris, talking about American exceptionalism, talking about the idea of working closely with people who you disagree with, and that being what makes America special, and that he's eager to work with the Biden administration, despite healthy conflict that he has with them, to actually reach understanding and get things done. So look, I'm not saying, so look, everything's okay. What I am saying is, you know, there are still some people out there who can give us hope for the idea that this whole American experiment uh, is worth continuing. Uh, and and I, I want us to, to remember that. Wow. Well, that was well said. Well, I've been getting a lot of comments, Jason, from our audience saying, where is the banter? So <laughs> long time majority 54 listeners, we, we, we're going to keep it. We're just going to do it at the end from now on because our, our friends over at Midas, they know everything about YouTube. So we, when we start with my surfing stories, they, there's like a people are like I'm somehow, trying to watch a political show. What is going somehow on? Somehow the YouTube audience isn't interested. So, um, so what's going on? Give me the update. We haven't really checked in properly in a while with all this hiatus and everything. Uh, let's see. So um, exciting stuff. Uh, you know, there's 39 days until um, like True's first baseball game, and then my first one is pretty soon after that. It's been kind of baseballish weather here lately, which is pretty awesome. Uh, so I, I what's baseball you know, weather? Because I isn't it like really cold everywhere right now? It's well, the last two days it's been in the 50s and 60s here. Oh wow! And okay. and you know, like I saw this tweet the other day that said. Um, 
you know, I tell myself I don't believe in, in seasonal depression and then the sun comes out and I feel like I took a party drug <laughs> and, <it's> like, <laughs> and that, man, that's, that's me for sure. I actually have this, uh, this huge light, uh, like, like enormously bright light that the VA recently gave me. Uh, so shout out to the VA, um, that they gave me that is for like, you know, seasonal affected mental health stuff. And, and Diana is like, other than PTSD therapy, this is the best thing the VA has ever done for us. Like wow. whether it's me, her, true, whoever gets up first goes downstairs and flips on that light. And I walk out of my bedroom toward I me. Mean, you know how my house is laid out. I walk out of my bedroom toward the living room and the kitchen. And it's like the sun is not just out. It's like it's in my living room. Oh, it's and, amazing. Uh, and it's a great way to start the day. Oh, incredible. What about you? Yeah. I mean, you're, you're, surfing i mean well, you're, I'm heading you're back having to new york. no seasonal effect in anything i think i reached the point where i've got i've gotten disoriented at not being home I, I think even i reached my limit i think most people i get a lot of messages like how do you like just go to a different place every week and for me it's usually the winter because i too i try to chase the sun that's my version of what you're talking about yeah you're like I, a until i have a children rare, yeah. yeah youthful snowbird yeah until i have children i'm gonna do that but i so I'm heading back to New York. I'm in Encinitas, great town. Shout out to all the people from Encinitas who are listening. Great town north of, of San Diego. I've been surfing in, in the ocean with a wetsuit. But my 40th birthday is coming up. And so I'm like racing to 40, like as you'd expect with like a series of just totally irrationally high goals of things I want to do. So like I've booked Kelly Slater's wave pool. He's got this this wave pool that's like a, a that a train creates a wave. I did it last year, but I've like booked it. I'm doing it with some friends. I'm I'm doing a, a 40th birthday party in Costa Rica with friends. I'm trying to finish my novel by the time my 40th birthday is yeah. happening, which is why I haven't been a great writing partner to you um, on the thing you're working on with your cousin. Um, secret project. That's quite okay. Uh, but I'm trying to get this thing. I'm basically doing all the things. I've I've signed up for two fitness competitions. I'm like a caricature of somebody hitting 40 right now. If, One day I'm going to pull, pull up in a red Corvette in your house. I was going to say, if you didn't live in and, New York City, you MMA. would get a red Corvette. Yeah. And do, do MMA. Yeah. So well, those I, are the things that are left over. I hate this. that we're going to miss out on your on your 40th birthday party on account of the two kids. Uh, I figured. I figured. But the thing for me is, is it's worth asking. You know, no, I do this like I'm, a destination I'm, wedding. Like the day you, you stop asking, I'm yeah, going to be like, okay, Ravi officially knows I'm not cool. Yeah, uh, but you could come to the wave pool. Actually, yeah. <laughs> okay. Surf the wave pool. Uh, but yeah, so I'm 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 ready to go home. It's a rarity, but I'm ready to go home. Uh, All right. I'm ready to go back okay. to work. So. All right. All right. Well, this was good. This was good. All right. Uh, remember to subscribe to Majority 54 wherever you listen to audio podcasts. Just search Majority 54. Please leave us a five-star review. Uh, I appreciate everybody. We appreciate everybody who has let us know recently what they think of the slightly changed format uh, and of the, you know, the sort of reboot, the things we've been doing. But, you know, whether you like it, whether you don't, let us know. Uh, you know, go to the audio podcast comments and let us know what you think. Uh, thank you to everybody in the Midas Mighty. Uh, and as always, remember, we all have a platform. Make sure to use yours today. Thank you.